We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, the 9th of August, and my name is Scott Shera. For those of you who have been following, you know I'm Grace's dad, and this podcast is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad because that is the single most important thing that God has shown me since Grace died is how programmed I have been. And that's um, that's near and dear to my heart. And because of that programming, I have chosen to become a full-time researcher and advocate to help other people be deprogrammed. Uh, so today's program, we're going to focus on deprogramming in, in a little bit different lane, and it's a it's a fantastic lane. And my guest is somebody who's been on before. He's become a friend, and I'll bring him in right now. His name is David Fiorazzo. Fiorazzo, sorry, oh, David. <laughs> I'll let it slide this time, Scott. <laughs> I, I have practiced your name so many times in the past because it took me, you know, when I first met you, you know, so we met how long ago? I mean, it was a year and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. About a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. David was one of the um, people who supported what we were doing right from the get go. And he has uh, really become a, a friend. He's a brother in the Lord, which is fantastic. And he's become a friend and, and I am so glad to have him back on. He asked if he could come on because he's going to be starting a brand new podcast next month, which we'll talk about yes. at the end of the show. But I'll just give you David's credentials quick and then we'll jump into what I always do to start the show, which is I tell a little bit of a backstory with Grace. So David is not just an author, which we're going to talk about one of his books during the show today, but he's an ordained pastor. We won't hold that against him. Uh, he's a media <laughs> contributor <laughs> and, of course, a podcaster. He's been in broadcasting for over 30 years and in Christian ministry for over 25 years. And his brand new podcast, Worldview Matters, launches next month on the Freedom Project Media Network in collaboration with her Bangers Daily. So we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, I've been um, following David for a long time because he was the host of Stand Up For The Truth, which was a daily program on... Uh, it's a local radio station, but it actually has a regional, uh, entire United States following, which was, you know, that's how I got to know David. Anyway, I'm going to um, go into the little bit of the backstory with Grace. And normally, David, what I do is I try to relate it to the guest. And mm. this time it doesn't relate to you uh, because <laughs> I couldn't find anything. But also there's something very important in Grace's life that... Uh, she was she was a gigantic El, Elvis fan, you know, um, big time Elvis fan. I mean, she knew Elvis trivia. Uh, she, yeah, everybody who knew Grace knew that she was an Elvis fan. In fact, I'm just gonna read. I got a text yesterday from a friend of Grace's. I'm just gonna read it. He said uh, he shared a joke, an Elvis joke. So he said, uh, "I thought of Grace when I read this joke." Sad. And here's the joke. Quote: Sad day for me today. My pet mouse Elvis died last night. He was caught in a trap. So Grace would have loved that. Grace would have loved that, that joke. And so yep. because it's Elvis weeks, so you know, people remember, I don't because I was only one year old when JFK was murdered, but people will remember <laughs> things in life that happened, like the day JFK was murdered. Well, I remember the day Elvis died because 
I was at home yet. I was in high school. My mom came running out and I was on the tractor and she was screaming, Elvis just died. Elvis just died. And, you know, she, she was a big fan. And so when Grace became an Elvis fan, it took me back to childhood. And uh, so I'm going to share a few things, a, a few pictures and then a video. So let's go through the pictures one by one, Don. All right, so this is Grace with these Elvis impersonators. When you have more than one, they're Elvi. So this is Grace with two Elvi. All right, we'll go to the next one. So another two Elvi. You can see Grace. Grace was uh, love the kisses from from the Elvi. All right, we'll go to the last picture with her with Elvi. All right, awesome. Well, the highlight of Grace's um, love for Elvis came when Priscilla Presley, Elvis's wife, called Grace on the phone after Grace wrote a fan letter to her care of Graceland. And so we, she invited us to Graceland to meet. And so Grace got to meet her. I mean, I, you can't hardly make it up. And became pen pals and friends. We, we met her on August 15th of 2017 during Elvis week. And so Don, can you play that short video of Grace with Priscilla, please? You got that down. <laughs> You do it one more time. Let's see. <laughs> Actually, Mr. Rody, her um, her dance instructor, her dance instructor incorporated it into a dance in summer, and then her tap and jazz teacher incorporated um, that Elvis moved into their recital dance. You take so, tap and dancing though. It was pretty cool. Boy, I'm telling you, do you enjoy that? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, in hip hop. You do. Hip -hop. Now, what is a hip-hop move? Or kind of like Elvis move? Like, yes, that's oh, the one he incorporated. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Rowan, incorporated. Yeah. Move your hips. Yeah. You move well. My goodness, I get it. <laughs> 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 it's hard to believe to think that Grace developed a friendship with Priscilla um, after becoming an wow. Elvis fan. It's hard. Hard to believe. I mean, that was a very special day when Grace Grace met her. Grace was so funny because after that meeting, so when Priscilla invited us down, she said, we'll go to lunch together. And so after the meeting, we're walking out of the room and Grace said to me, well, dad, aren't we going to lunch with her? Yeah. And I said, well, she decided to not go to lunch because she wanted one-on-one -on -one time with you. And she knew if we went out to lunch together, everybody mm. would be mobbing her at the table so that's what she did instead and so grace grace loved them all right that's so neat. we're going to jump into the show uh, i titled this today does our worldview matter and of course i'm playing on your podcast but you know our worldview yep. is absolutely critical especially now <laughs> i mean with the times that we are in so we're going to jump right in with this drag queen situation that you wrote uh. about so don can you bring up david's article we'll just show it on the screen so David wrote this article on August 4th about this drag queen situation that uh, I'll just set up the story and then we're going to play a little clip. Um, but this happened on Saturday, July 29th in Watertown, Wisconsin. And we're going to drill this down so that people can really get their arms around it. But do you want to say anything about it first, David, about your article? And well, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned worldview. Worldview matters because we have, as Christians, we believe the Bible. We see everything through the lens of Scripture, everything that's happening in our culture. One of the first chapters in the new book I'm writing is called, What Would Our Great-Grandparents Think? Interesting. If they could see what's happening today, what's on television, what's going on with the corporations and the public government school system and, and everything with the medical tyranny, if our great-grandparents could see be here for 24 hours, what would they think? Well, assuming that is they had a biblical worldview, they would be appalled and they would wonder why we allowed it to get to this point. So on that, in this particular story, a young Christian youth from a, a church, a pastor I know, uh, Matt Truella down in Milwaukee, um, so at Mercy Seat Christian Church, a young uh, evangelist, uh, Marcus Schrader, he's out there on the public sidewalk reading from the Bible, simply reading out loud. Now, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. In the park, there's a drag queen event going on. What happens is they're protected. The Whoever told the police, you better go get those Christians. We don't want any trouble. So basically, he was arrested. They took away his microphone. He had a little teeny speaker a friend was holding. And they took it away, no warning, and, and put he, he cuffed him and took him away. I'm thinking, what would our great-grandparents think? And why would, why would that be significant? Well, times have changed. Why? Because we have been silent. We have allowed yes. it. And my previous book, Canceling Christianity. So the biblical worldview sets this up because we look at what the drag queens are doing. What are drag queens? They're men dressed as women. And they, they twerk. They flaunt around. They gyrate their hips. They dance, dance sexually in front of young children. That was going on in this public park. And by the way, it was open to the public unless you're Christian. So you can just set up the rest of it now or play whatever yeah. video you have there, but it's just an amazing thing. And it's a sign of the times. We're gonna drill this down in a lot of detail so people can really get a handle on how, how egregious this is, but also how against Christians the legal system is. And you said a key word there is we allowed it. And I think that's, that's really important for people to understand because it doesn't get allowed in a day. It gets allowed over an extended period of time when we didn't stand. And if we would have stood, you know, whenever, I mean, this is, it goes back to a lot of different things. Why do we pay income tax? We have an illegal <laughs> income tax system because people didn't stand back then. And now they've sold the lie enough times that everybody just accepts it. And then they put the fear of the IRS in place. But we're not going on that rabbit trail right now. So what I'm going to do is <laughs> set this up with a clip. And so Pastor Matt Trello, who I also know very well, his son-in-law was also arrested there. And this clip is from his son-in-law took what had his camera going of the event. So this is about a minute long, but it sets up what David just said orally. And I think this video really does a great job setting it up. So go ahead and play that video, Don. I know that don't even go near him. Just stay, just stay back here and you can record. All right. Don't, don't, yeah, don't need to go by. Yeah, just stay back here where everyone else is. Okay. okay? All right. Look, there's people out there too. No, so I was just an honest. I'm not trying to disturb him. Yeah, okay. But you kind of are trying to I'm just taking a video. Okay. Just stay back here. All right. I'm not sure if you guys do. You're all just sitting in the sun.
guys doing? What did I do? What did I do? What did I, what did I do, officer? What law did I break? What law did I break? What law did I just break? So how is this even possible? So I want to take a, a dive into what the actual state statute says about an event like this because it's shocking. Thank you. So I'm Thank going to you. have Don bring up state statute 948.055. And David, I'd like you to comment about what the law says. Go sure. Ahead. Well, it says causing a child to view or listen to sexual activity. So whoever intentionally causes a child who has not attained 18 years of old, in other words, a minor, or an individual actor believes or has reason to believe has not attained 18 years of age to view or listen to sexually explicit conduct may be penalized as provided in sub two if the viewing or listening for purpose of sexually arousing or gratifying the actor or humiliating or degrading the child or individual. And then it goes on. But it talks about the class F felony. It talks about the class H felony if the child is 13 years old but has not attained 18 so it, it's two different categories of minors and so i think scott what they're they're getting away with this maybe because they've redefined sexual activity what is sex what is sexual about what they're doing it's ridiculous to you and i and again what would our great-grandparents say they'd go out oh, that's sexual it's not only that it's perverted and demonic but what they're saying is, oh, come on, we're not, we're not, it's not full nudity or whatever. They're justifying it. Right. Somehow they're getting around the law. Well, I agree 100%. And, you know, what's interesting about your great grandfather's statement is that whether they were believers or unbelievers, they, they were, would, yeah. they would have all thought that this, because even by the standard of an unbeliever, they would have, thought this is this is insanity they wouldn't have called it satanic but they would have said i mean we can't have this in our society all right so matt truella himself so he was there and mm -hmm. he he actually spoke to the law enforcement yes while, while he was there so i'm going to have don play this entire clip it's about two minutes but it's worth it's worth it go ahead Don. yes so this is nothing new when you look down through history you'll notice that from time to time men make evil through law and that's what's happened here your mayor the civil authorities here are joining with evil and those of you who are lesser magistrates you carry the guns you're not just mere robots for the state you have to answer to god also for what you do so when they do something contrary to his law and word your duty is not to obey them but to tell them no it's called the interposition of the lesser magistrate extremely important to understand it romans 13 again for those of you officers who just arrived makes it clear that your duty is to punish the evildoers that would be the people over there that are sexualizing children and your duty is to reward those who do good that would be the people you've arrested so you've totally perverted your god-given function and role turned it on its head and we wonder how did evil get a foothold in Germany, in the Soviet Union. It was because of the blithe compliance of all the authorities that one after another down the food chain said, yeah, I'm gonna look out for myself rather than do what's right and say, no, this is wrong. And this is wrong. What they're doing here is evil. This would 
Are you kidding me? Do you see what's going on up in that stage? Do you see they're normalizing this to the minds of the children? When you're older, these are the kids. They'll be the people who decide whether you live or die when you're elderly. This is what they're training them in. So you have to make a decision to either go along to get along or to some point make a stand. Like, at the very least, you shouldn't be arresting the good guys and letting the bad guys have free reign. Your duty is to arrest the bad guys. There is an ordinance right here in town regarding instructing children in sexual matters. What do you think that's all about? They're instructing children in sexual matters. You could arrest them, but you chose not to. You chose to arrest the Christians who are simply out here praying and offering literature to people. Oh my so, goodness. You know, Matt, Matt calls out specifically what they're choosing. So to look out for themselves versus choosing to when a law is being violated and you're being instructed to, to let it go, you should be standing and lose your paycheck. That's, this is the same thing that happened in, I mean, it's happening still in hospitals, but during COVID, COVID exposed how the doctors and nurses chose to take their paychecks instead of standing against what was being dictated by the government to follow protocols to kill people. Yes. And so they allowed deaths to happen, including grace, because of the turn of the lesser magistrate. So the lesser magistrate is the person that's the closest person to the event. And when they see, oh my gosh, I've got to stop this. And they let the fear of losing their paycheck not have them do that. Now they became party to the crime. So I want your comment, of course, and then we're going to go through Marcus Schrader's arrest next, David. Yeah, so very interesting. There's a lot to unpack. By the way, I sent you that clip of Pastor Matt. I'm really considering uh, getting the, the text from that, what he said. That's a little mini sermon he gave to the police, the public servants, about what their job well, even under God, we believe Romans 13, it talks about punishing the evildoer and rewarding those who do good. And Correct. he pointed pointed to what was happening up on that stage with the drag queens. And he made a phenomenal point, you guys. He said, one day they, the, the children that are watching this activity that's being normalized, this sexual perversion, men dressing as women with the huge fake breasts and carrying on like you know, you know, you've seen the, the tapes like they carry on. They're going to decide one day whether you live or die. And he's referring to euthanasia. He's referring to people that are going to vote, people that are going to be in government, people, children. Now they're going to be leaders one day if if America is still here. And I emphasize that as a question. But he made a very good point. That could very well be. But he said that the theme is same as Nazi Germany. They they went along to get along. You go along. To get along same thing you you pointed out scott that they did during covid go along i got my paycheck i don't want to make any waves well the the true biblical christian the biblical worldview is if you have to your conscience and christ compels us to speak up and make waves we have to expose deeds of darkness it's Bible says, do not participate, do not approve of. I, I quoted Ephesians, I mentioned Romans 1, do not approve of these things. 
just expose them. We've got to confront them. And the, the problem is we are where we are because a generation or more has not spoken up. They have not you know, spoken against these things and exposed them. They have just, their silence, even if they have not made a decision either way, their silence condones it. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, yes. silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. So thank you for playing that. I love Pastor Matt. I love his heart. And these guys, uh, hopefully those police officers, they were listening. Hopefully they weren't poo-pooing it. But if just one of them, if it just gets to his conscience and he thinks about what, what Matt Truella shared, I think that could make even an impact in their department and perhaps for the next event. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, for a generation that we haven't spoken up, and that is likely true relative to this specific situation. But this idea of not speaking up applies. This is this is hundreds of years old. Uh, and I, I'll just something that popped into my head over this last week is, so I was in kindergarten in 1968, David, and I can I specifically remember this, and I don't know why I think God had me specifically remember it because of what I'm doing now. But in one of the weekly readers, the same weekly reader, they said it's it's um, irresponsible to have more than two children. And wow. if your parents had an electric can opener, that was selfishness. They should not be having an electric appliance because we don't have enough resources. So you see what they were laying out way back in 1968. Wow. They were laying out population control and limited resources. Two, mm. two of the big lies that have been spread by the satanic organizations. Yeah. So huge. Anyway, lie. I'm going to have Don. Can you play the clip of the young man, Marcus Schroeder, being arrested next, please? Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your brother as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Hey, hey, what are you doing? What is the problem? What's they said we can have, we can, they said we can speak out here on the sidewalk freely nobody told us that this is well, how come there's no amplification hey, you guys are acting like thugs man you're like straight up thugs Hey, you're 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 taking away my He has every right to be out here engaging in speech. He has every right to be out here engaging in speech. Okay, so we just saw this was the young man that David referred to earlier, Marcus Schrader. He was one of four Christians who were arrested at this event. So you can see he's just sharing a simple scripture on the sidewalk and he's yeah. arrested. So David, I'm going to play. I want you to comment, but if you want to wait, you can. I'm going to play his speech in front of the city council next um, because he rebounded from this arrest and yep. uh, I think did a phenomenal job. So do you want to comment first or do you want me to yes, play the other Yes, clip? I just want to say when he was being led away, the picture a lot of them, a lot of people used, I used it in my article over at harbingersdaily.com. In the back of his t-shirt, on, on the back it says, I will stand for truth even if I stand alone. 
And there's a theme here, I think, Scott. That's like that's very Dietrich Bonhoeffer like, because he yeah. and and about a third of the pastors at in Germany at the time, the confessing church, those who would stand on the biblical worldview and and actually speak up. Um, we're, we're seeing this in America. There, there's a lot of people that are silent, but there is a remnant, a remnant, just a small, committed, dedicated uh, group of believers in Christ that are saying, wait a minute, we've got to do something. Um, and so I admire this young man for making this stand. And again, the police said when they came to arrest him, oh, you're, it's your amplification. But they were not given a warning, and that's very clear. And he's going to do that. And he's gets, he gets to share the gospel at the student the um, city council meeting. So I'm looking forward to seeing this as well. Well, what's neat about the city council meeting is people don't realize you have that opportunity. It is an opportunity to share truth. They give you yes. a three-minute opportunity if you want it. And so every... Every uh, county board meeting, city council meeting, whatever, if you choose to do that, you can show up. And I get asked regularly, David, what can we do? You know, people are, you know, they see, well, we've got a lawsuit. You know, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. Well, that's simply because God's opened those doors, but we can all do something. And this young man, I just, I think he was an outstanding example of yep. what standing on truth looks like. So, Don, play the city council clip next, please. I just wanted to ask a simple question. I know, you know, a Nazi group showed up at the event Saturday and people were talking about that. And I just wanted for all of us to really think about this. What's wrong with Nazism? Like seriously, what's wrong with Nazism? Because imagine for a moment that there is no God above us, no hell below us, no heaven to live for, as John Lennon wanted to imagine. If we are truly the result of evolved stardust and our ancestors were fish and were the descendants of monkeys, then where do we find our value as human beings? What's wrong with Nazism? Unless if you understand that the God of Scripture says that we are made in his image. And so to murder innocent people is a violation to God's commands. As a Christian, I can say that Nazis, what the Nazis did in Nazi Germany was completely horrific and that they should have been resisted. In fact, the, the number one people group that resisted the Nazis were Christians. And the, and the reason why, the reason why was because they had a worldview that says that people are made in God's image and that they have worth and value. That's why Nazism is wrong. But if we're going to reject the Christian worldview, then we can't hold on to the fruit that comes from the Christian worldview while denying the actual foundation. Intolerance is an interesting word. Tolerance, intolerance, hatred, love, bigotry, things like that. Because really every culture has something that it's intolerant towards and something that it's tolerant of. I mean, there are things like murder and rape and, and you know, stealing and, and just crimes that we are intolerant towards as a society. And so every society has something that's intolerant towards. The question is just, what is our object of intolerance and what is our object of tolerance? When I showed up Saturday, all I did was read from Scripture on the sidewalk. I read from the Bible, Galatians. And by the way, I wasn't reading Romans 1. I wasn't reading any passage that spoke against homosexuality or anything like that. I was reading a passage from the Bible about love. And I was arrested. No reason, not given any warning, not told anything about my amplification needed to be turning down. I was arrested and taken into custody simply for reading the Bible on the sidewalk. You see, as we become more and more tolerant of sexual immorality in our culture, we become more and more intolerant towards Christian morality. And the more we become intolerant towards Christian morality, 
the more we're going to see lawlessness in our streets. The more we become intolerant of Christian morality, the more we're going to see Nazis. The more we're going to see people who don't hold to a Christian worldview, who think that everybody is a result of animals, and therefore if we are animals, then why can't we just act like animals? We were called a hate group. We were told that we don't want to understand the other side, and I just want to set the record straight. I am more than happy to have that conversation with the other side. I did speech and debate throughout high school, and one of the things that we were taught in debate is that you can't make an argument for your side until you're able to make the argument for the other side. I've sat down and had hours of discussions with LGBTQ activists. I completely understand the other side. I want to understand the other side. But drag queens twerking on kids in lingerie is unacceptable. And that's something that we have to notice as a culture. We can have our disagreements, but there comes a time when we have to understand that we are all going to stand before God one day. And we're going to have to give an account for what we have done with the children in our society. Wow. Wow. I watched, I watched that speech three or four times. I just think he knocked it out of the park. But what yep. is your comment? Well, I want to just requote him there because uh, I did in the article. He said, as we become more and more tolerant of sexual immorality in our culture, we become more and more intolerant towards Christian morality. And the more we become intolerant of basically the biblical worldview is what we're talking about today, the more we are going to see lawlessness in our streets. So this young man, kudos, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. That's kind of like my tagline at the end of every interview or, or show I do. Keep speaking the truth. And uh, yeah, he was arrested. He has no regrets because he didn't do anything wrong. Think about it again, Scott. What would our great grandparents say? They would say, well, he should be able to speak freely from the sidewalk outside of a public park. But what, what are they doing inside the park? Very interesting. It's like, oh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil about what they're doing. A very interesting dynamic. We have allowed this to uh, set the stage now for the future. Uh, but we've got to start resisting, living counterculture, and of course, uh, speaking up. But I'm, I'm blessed to see young people like this. I, I too, I thought it was fantastic. I, I want to switch gears to the bigger picture because yep. this is just one tentacle. So we, oh we drill down that tentacle, but there is yep. a lot bigger picture. So I, I'm going to switch into your book, Canceling Christianity, because in that book, you said that the epic battle for the soul of America comes down to three words, God or man. So yep. explain that, please. Okay, very simple. I mean, I hate to oversimplify, but it's really easy to understand God's word or man's word. We are living by either the word of God, which is the Bible, which is his scriptures, the spoken, inspired, perfect word of God. That's where we get our worldview on what is absolute truth, what is morality, what is good, what is bad, what should be punished, what should be rewarded, as Romans 13 says. And then man's word. One of the first commandments is do not make up, make a God in your own image, your own likeness. What are these drag queens, for example, doing? They're creating a, a sexualized thing, a being. They're, they're going against God's word, which says he created them male and female. That's God's Correct. word. What, what's man's word? You can be whatever gender you want. You can be, I don't know how many of, they're over 70 now, I think so-called you know genders and then you have to use different pronouns it's very confusing very hard to keep up with too but that's man's word so there's right. a lot of chaos and confusion and it is disorder 
God is a God of order. The biblical worldview is an orderly system of living. God ordained uh, family. He ordained marriage between one man and one woman. He created them male and female. He even you know, sets civil government. He even was the first to, to say, oh, this is what we need to do as far as an orderly structure for society or civil government. And God kind of set all that up. And we've been in this other lane of man's word, chaos, disorder. They, they are destroying morality, biblical morality. So that's just kind of like the nutshell of God or man. We're either going one or the other direction. You cannot stay neutral. You cannot be in the middle lane because there's no gray area. It's either God or it's either man's way. And a picture that I saw of this, I think is very relevant because the idol in this case has become the state. So if you think about God is on the top and he created the state, the civil government, but yep. Those roles have become reversed where yes. the state now provides everything by that's what their goal is. So they they complain that, you know, we've got a federal budget out of control and all. But that's what they want. They want that. So yep. when they started giving unlimited um, unemployment benefits and now, you know, it's hard for a small business to hire anybody. You know, so that was all by design, folks. Because then you become dependent on the state, and the state, yes. by definition, becomes your idol. Uh, uh, Don, can you bring up the book cover for David's book? So this book, the, the link will be in the show notes. This is really a fantastic book, and it sets the table for what we've got to do to be able to stand. Uh, then, Don, can you bring up the picture of the Rainbow Church? All right. So, David, what's wrong yeah. with what you know, I, I, you know, I know what's wrong with this picture, but I want I want people to understand what's wrong with this picture. This is a big deal. OK, it is. And I, lo I love that's a good a good example of what a lot of churches who used to go by God's word, the biblical worldview, they used to abide by that. Now, what are they doing here? They're conforming to the world. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the world's ways, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. They are saying the we're just welcoming that they like to be welcoming they like to be tolerant inclusive right they're welcoming anybody well here's the thing if you're going to welcome everybody if you're going to invite the world and even a lot of well-meaning churches have entertainment and these big shows and they're trying to draw the world in well if once you start drawing the world in how are you going to keep them there you got to keep giving them the world so it's not going to work. The church is a group. It's a called out ones. It's not a building. It's to make disciples. It's to get people saved from eternal punishment in hell. The gospel is good news. It is for anyone. We have free will. Not everyone will come to him. But in this case, churches are waving the rainbow flag. What does that mean? We are welcoming. Well, does that mean the gospel is not welcoming when God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die a brutal death on the cross? And then he died. He was buried. He was in the tomb for three days. He overcame the grave. Resurrection, right? That's, that's what our hope is in. Anyone can believe that and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. He is Lord no matter what we believe. He is Lord. But people can say, all right, Jesus, I confess my sins. I repent. I want to live my life for you. I believe you are God. And he is. That's where, where God's word comes in. But man's word, let's be like the world. Hey, let's wave the rainbow flag. Let, let's make people think we love them or let them know we love them. But is it really loving others, Scott, if we do not tell them 
the truth. If they're going down the path, the road of destruction, like these drag shows, what they're doing to children, if they're going down that road, is it loving and tolerant to say nothing, to not warn them that they're going down this pathway to destruction? No. So a lot of churches are even doing this. Let me go back a little bit since you brought up the canceling Christianity. Uh, the latest numbers, there are more than 543 documented attacks that means violent attacks, death threats, firebombing, arson, vandalism against churches from 2018 to 2023. That's by the Family Research Council, 543 documented attacks. So we're over 500. Have any of them been prosecuted? I don't know. The Biden administration, that's a whole other story, the DOJ and the FBI. But this is now, again, what would our great grandparents think? They would go, they're doing this to churches and they and the numbers are growing. There's more acts of hostility against the biblical worldview. Why? Because it's God's way or it's man's way. They would rather true. rebel against God, the one true living God, and live their own way. And that's why we see more, these increasing attacks. And that's also why we see law enforcement turn the other way which is really scary when those who are supposed to uphold the law and protect citizens, protect and serve, right? They're turning the other way while churches are burning. So we are in a very dangerous and pivotal point here in the United States. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the I, I want to be clear so people understand a church. So it, a church is not a building, but we'll just use, right. you know, because we had the picture of the building. So, of course, a church is welcoming to somebody who's trans, gay, of course, yes. because if of they course. weren't, we would have to say they're not welcoming to anybody because those are sins. And none of us could step foot in a church if we don't acknowledge that we're sinners. But what the difference is, is that they're not, once the person's inside, they're not telling them the truth. And that's the, that is the air yes. here. And yeah. so to welcome somebody is a hundred percent true. I mean, yep. that's, you know, Jesus was the most welcoming person that ever walked the face of the earth, but he also called a spade a spade. You know, when somebody was yes. sinning, he called it out. And, you know, those, those two things are, are, um, you know, it's it's like they they want to make those so that they they're a rub against each other. But both of those things should be happening at the same time. I want to bring up Don. Can you bring up the church and flag picture, please? So, David, you state that the second biggest in the in your book, you state that the second biggest lie in America is separation of church and state. Yes, and that's of course a tactic of Satan. So we know yes. that the church and the state are distinct entities. But should they be separated? Well, first of all, the idea has been perverted of this so-called separation between church and state. That was in a private letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Church in Connecticut that saying I, I, we're not going to give any one denomination power over another or one church power over another as government. So that's was, was that that's what that letter was about. This idea of separating church and state, it's nowhere in our founding documents. It's nowhere in any of the writings other than this private letter, but they have made it almost a battering ram to right. keep Christian influence out of the public square. 
that's what the new interpretation in the last, I don't know, 25, 50 years is the separation of church and state idea falsely says that we need to keep Christianity and the gospel. In other words, free speech, what you just saw on that sidewalk with Marcus Schrader, that's got to be out of the public square because we're supposed to separate. Well, what does that have to do? There was no government there. There were people doing evil in the park and sexualizing young children. What does that have to do with government? Yeah, but the police are conditioned to believe, well, we're supposed to separate because once you start preaching the Bible, so we're again in a dangerous place. And this goes way back. Um, uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, in the 1954, I believe, he came up with the Johnson Amendment. That was to silence conservatives, Christians, and those who were going against his campaign when he was a senator before he became president. There were some anti-communist groups trying to speak out against Lyndon Johnson. He said, how can I silence these guys? What, What they're doing is legal according to the IRS. So what he did, he slipped this bill in on the Senate floor and he said, we're gonna, they, they need to have a 501c3. They can only speak about certain things. They can't be political. So now pastors today have a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be, quote, political. They think, Correct. well, controversial, political. I can't talk about social issues. That's absolutely wrong. The only thing a pastor and a church cannot do is a pastor cannot endorse a candidate from the pulpit and they cannot give church money to a political campaign. A pastor can talk about anything and everything. They can have a Republican come in, a Democrat come in, they can have a debate. They can register voters at church. They can tell their congregations what each party believes in and they should because it comes down to to, uh, policy, platform, procedures. When you talk about the platforms of the two major parties, oh my goodness, you talk about the, the demonic, I mean, the Democrat party platform and we should, Look at what they stand for, because they're not trying to hide it anymore. They want to destroy life in the womb. They want to take the elderly. There's six states now that have euthanasia. Look it up if you don't believe me, but they're willing to abort babies, pre-born human life. And that's why this whole issue of Imago Dei created in the image of God, Imago Dei, that comes in here because that's God's word. He created mankind, every human life, in his image. What does the left want to do? They want to destroy that. Population control. Nature is more important. Nature, the environment, that's more important. Human beings are killing the planet. You got me going, Scott. I got to slow down here because I know you you probably have another comment or question coming up. (laughs) Well, I I think what, I mean, it's it's actually a, a privilege and a joy to talk with you about this because, you know how rare it is to actually be able to talk um, transparently with somebody about things that are, you know, they, they're they so, so plainly obvious, but we are looked at as like we are, I mean, we're out there with these views. I mean, it, it is, it is a strange time. Okay. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly okay with it. I, I have never walked the, the wide path. <laughs> walked uh what is so you said the the second biggest lie is separation of church and state what's the biggest lie darwinian evolution everything came from nothing all of a sudden there was there was nothing and all of a sudden there were living organisms that eventually now we have human beings so in other words there's no designer right there's a design a very intricate design but no designer and and it's just amazing that 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 is a huge lie that we have now come to believe. Why? In part because our government-run education system teaches it not as theory, 
but as fact. A lot of them do. Not everybody. A lot of schools teach it. They will not allow the creation account, what the biblical view is, what God's word is. They, they won't allow that in. God created the heavens and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm. But they will talk about the theory of evolution. They probably won't even use the word theory very often. And they carry that assumption on down. And so what do kids do then? Kids all of a sudden say, well, I guess I'm, I'm nothing but an accident now. I, what, my life doesn't really have meaning or purpose. Um, I don't know. It's just so random. I came from nothing. Right. That's the, the, uh, the opposite of the biblical worldview. We have meaning. We have a destiny. We have a purpose in this life. Every human life is unique and has value to God. Well, uh, that's that's right on. As I see it, the they had to set that up in order to have a society that has no accountability. If there's a God, that means we're accountable to yes. the creator God. If there's not a God, there's no accountability, which then it's a free-for-all. And of course, that's what we're seeing. The drag queen shows are just one of the many things that, I mean, this is, yeah. uh, it's an insane time we are living in. Yeah. Yeah. Switch gears. Yeah, so I'm going to have Don bring up your shot of that that you sent me. So, yeah, this is it's beautifully done. So tell tell the audience what you're going to be doing with your your platform. Okay, thank you for asking. The new show is starting in uh, several weeks now. It's called Worldview Matters. You can go subscribe to free updates, and that is worldviewmatters.tv, worldviewmatters.tv, and we'll send you updates. The first show is in early September. Um, you're going to be on there, in the, Lord willing, in the second week, um, but we're going to be recording. It's 30 minutes it's audio and video. People can see the show. They can still download audio podcast if that's how they want to listen to it. But it's a video show, Worldview Matters. We'll be talking about a lot of the same things that we've been discussing here, how things have changed, what's going on with, with our culture, with our country and worldview. We've got to look. Globalism is really growing like crazy with the World Economic Forum and the UN and all that. So there's a big battle we have in the West. And when I say yeah. West, that's the, what used to be thought of as Christianized cultures and societies, but the West, right? So um, we have a big, big battles on our hands. So we're going to talk about these issues, no topic off limits, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. I just, I'm lining up guests already. I'm just excited to get that going. Well, I'm really glad to see you doing that. I, I, you're one of the few that talks freely about truth and it's it'll be a pleasure to watch that yeah you know, i do want to talk about something personal because sure. of having to get getting to know you and knowing you know it's not a bed of roses that we're walking through and you know you've got some real tough stuff with your with your beautiful wife rosanna so can yes. you share what's going on don just bring up the facebook page and then david you can share a few uh, want Thank people you. to join because it's a private, it's a private situation. Yes. So go ahead. The floor is yours. Yes. I invite anybody to go search this Rosanna's journey on Facebook. You can join basically I'm, there's over a thousand people now, but it's a private group. Uh, they're following the, the story of my wife who has a brain injury from the vaccine Pfizer, uh, almost two years ago now. Um, so it, it, we've been dealing with a lot of cognitive things, neurological issues, the, what the one doctors have called it, functional neurological disorder. 
Um, but basically what happened was the vaccine triggered all kinds of these changes in my wife's brain, in her, uh, in her system, in her blood. We've been trying to detox this for a while. We've been trying different treatments and therapies. And so far, not a lot has shown dramatic improvement. Um, she doesn't be, she can't follow a to-do list. She has a hard time thinking step-by-step step logically in different things, even putting her contacts in. If she puts a contact in her eye and gets distracted, um, something like a dog will come in. She will literally come, come to me in the other room with her contact case and her, and holding her contact lens on one finger and saying, I, I don't know where I was. I, I, I'm not sure what happened to the other and it's already in her eye. She already put one in. But so um, she doesn't cook and I, I do grocery shopping. Now I have them delivered. So we've, there's a lot of life changes. God is sovereign. I trust him with all my heart. He's allowing us to go through this. Life has never promised us uh, that we, it would be easy. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That was John 16, 33. But we're going through hard times. Yeah, this is not, I mean, a lot of people are going through worse, but this is the Facebook group, what Rosanna's journey that I kind of put updates on and say, here's what happened recently. Here's what I need prayer for. And a lot of pressure comes back on my shoulders because I'm taking care of the house, taking care of other things. Um, so yeah, I would appreciate your prayers. And um, we're, we are trying different treatments. Uh, I, I appreciate the input, but we've had so many people bombard us with different things. Try this, try that. Look up this doctor, travel here, go online there. And so I, I'm just asking you, if you do join the group, that you kind of refrain from a lot of suggestions and a lot of things like that. It's just, it's potentially overwhelming and it's, it's a lot to deal with uh, day to day. So, but here, here we are. Um, you, she would go to church on a Sunday and she gets stimulated around people. They would never know. Most people, if they don't know her story, most people, if you don't talk to her and just see her at church, you would never know that she has these cognitive issues. Um, but once you have a conversation with her and she tries to remember things, uh, you'll pick up on it. But thank you for asking about that, Scott. Uh, we're not alone. A lot of people have suffered. A lot of people have died, heart attacks, aneurysms, different things. Uh, worse conditions than, than Rosanna's. Um, so we're fortunate we have each other and uh, we're, we're, we've got God and we've got a supportive church, supportive community, and we're getting through this together. I want to share something you may have not heard yet. And I, this was originally floated in November, last November, but it's getting legs right now. And what it is, is the government is working on an amnesty program similar to the 9-11 Victims Fund. And we've got to stand firm against this, where they want to write checks to everybody who suffered under the whole COVID psyop. Wow. So why do we need to stand firm against this? Keep in mind what happened here, folks. The government is the one who instigated this psyop. Now they want to write checks to anybody that was impacted mm -hmm. by it. Okay, so that that is no wow. good. That takes the onus. They're trying to take the onus off of the responsibility that they have for these criminal activities. So it, it, it's it's sick. I was made aware of this about three weeks ago, uh, and I just I publicly want people to to know we've got to stand against an amnesty program. It's going to be so easy to take a check but we cannot do that. Had you heard of that before, David? No, I, no? I heard you know, rumblings of it, but I haven't read up on that, no. All right. 
So I'm going to go to closing, and I'm going to actually use the same closing I did last week because it is so powerful. And then I'm going to come back to you for the final okay. word, David. So, you know, what what's going on here? You know, this is this was quite a story that we just drilled down. David did a great job sharing it into the bigger picture. But what are we really after? You know, Romans 1 says, Anybody can plainly see the works of God, and so we're without excuse. So where does that lead somebody? God promises everybody has an opportunity. Well, what is that opportunity? It, it's through Jesus Christ that we get reconciled, and then there's real repentance, and that's what we pray for. We want anybody to acknowledge and turn away from sin, because even your worst enemy you don't want to have spend eternity in hell. And repentance is not about religion or going to church. And those of you who know, um, I always want to share something relative to the gospel in closing. And a couple of weeks ago, Cindy, my wife, shared a message from Alistair Begg that he did two years ago. And I particularly enjoy Alistair Begg because of his <laughs> accent. Uh, and this clip is so profound that I, I played it last week. I'm going to play it again this week, and then we'll go back to David for the final word. Go ahead, Don. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense—I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend— You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, did Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. <laughs> so, we just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, "I never heard of it in my life." And and what about? Uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, "On on what basis are you here?" And he said. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself 
beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God that just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. Wow, yes. It's not about religion. No, it's, it's about not. faith in Jesus Christ. And all, all he said, that thief on the cross, is when you come into your kingdom, Lord, remember me. He believed. He believed in Jesus. He believed that Jesus would be ascending to the Father in heaven. He believed in the paradise of God. And the thief didn't have theology. He didn't have religion. He didn't do a lot of good works, right? Because he's being crucified for being a thief. Wow. Yeah. Great, great message. And that's what we need to remember. Uh, God is there for whoever will, whosoever will believe. And that's what we need to remember, Scott. It's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. David, thanks. Thank you for coming on today. It's really yeah. a gift to have you. Uh, God bless you, brother. Thank you. We'll, we'll have you on Worldview Matters soon. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.